right, everyone. Welcome back to Unlocking the Light. Again, I am Ray, your co-host today, because we have Caroline and Michaela back on. Please say hello. Hello. Hello, everyone. And uh, we are doing chapter two today, but we're only doing half of it because this chapter was very long. And so we will be doing chapter two. There's no such thing as self-sabotage from page 27 to page 48. And um, just want to put like a little disclaimer in here. We have kind of been doing these episodes or, you know, it's our second episodes. It makes it sound like it's we've got a bunch in the bank. But, you know, we had the intention of doing this just to like, kind of come together, talk about the chapters that we were reading, talk about some of our insights, experiences, and uh, what we're resonating with and what's applying to our lives at the moment. And so um, we're going to do our best to not like jump around too much in the book and do our best to tell you what the chapter is about, but also we're going to talk a lot about how we feel about the chapter too. So it really helps if you're following along. And if you've read the book, really encourage that. Um, and if for, you know, just, that's just what I wanted to say, just in case, um, you like our intention is kind of to gather, read the sections, y'all read the sections and feel like you're talking to people that also read what you read. If that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Awesome. All righty. So with that being said, chapter two is titled, there's no such thing as self-sabotage. And I didn't know I was going to ask y'all this, but I feel like we may have gotten into it last week a little bit. However, I still want to ask, um, what do y'all feel about that statement? Just in general, there's no such thing as self-sabotage. Can we get some thoughts on that? When I first read the book, I was like, what do you mean? The whole book is on self-sabotage. I was so confused, but I knew I had to like read on, um, to get the gist of what she was trying to say. Uh, but yeah, no, there it's kind of confusing because it's like a huge contradiction, but then she like gets into it. So Mm -hmm. what do you think, Caroline? Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Um, I think for me personally, I was like, oh, I don't self-sabotage. Like, there's no way, you know, like I'm going to read this book and I'm not going to be able to relate to anything in it. And then I started reading it. And there is a lot in this book that I am realizing that I do do Mm. and is a form of self-sabotage. So it's eye-opening, awakening (laughs) moments uh, reading, especially chapter two. So yeah. So with, with a title like that for chapter two, there's no such thing as self-sabotage. I, I really wish I could go back and find the first episode that I said that in on the podcast, because to me, um, self-sabotage. And like I said, I might've said this in the last episode, but that gives this illusion or this, um, I'm just going to say it's kind of, to me, it feels false or like a lie that we are intentionally trying to ruin our lives, which mm-hmm. as time went by and as I've been podcasting and fleshing out some thoughts lately, I'm like, I would never do that. I would never intentionally try to not make money. I would never intentionally try to like have this really good business idea and not do it. I would never intentionally say that I want to start eating healthier and feeling better and having better sleep. And then drink coffee at five o'clock, knowing, knowing 
it's, I'm not going to sleep, you know what I'm saying? So like, these are not things that like, when I go drink the coffee, do I know it's probably going to help me not sleep? Maybe, but that's not usually my intention for drinking it at the moment. I need energy, but it doesn't, you know, sometimes you don't care or think about your need later because of what you need in that moment, which I wonder if that's what she kind of says at the bottom of the first page, um, which she says the habits and behaviors you can't stop engaging in like coffee queen over here, um, no matter how destructive or limiting they may be are intelligently designed by your subconscious to meet an unfulfilled need, displaced emotion or neglected desire. So maybe self-sabotage in the moment. Um, it seems like self-sabotage, but really like if I need energy, I'm going to coffee, like what else Mm -hmm. would you do? It's, and then it kind of, so well, yeah, in that moment, you're not you're not thinking far enough ahead to be like, oh, this is the action and this is why I'm doing it or what it's for. We're just thinking like short term um, results or cause and effect. Like, I feel tired. I need a boost. I'm going to go grab that cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. And that's where the thought process ends. You know, you're not going any further with it because you're getting the result you want from drinking that coffee in the moment. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts, Michaela, before I read the next thing I see here? Uh, not yet. I, I think it, you guys pretty much covered it. Okay. Because um, I like on the, we're still kind of on page 27 where she does this, like there's a chunk of this paragraph, but I'm only going to read a sentence because I was just telling Caroline before Michaela popped into the chat um, for copyright purposes, we can't read this whole book like paragraph for paragraph because um so just letting y'all know if we can't read a lot of things in order it's because like you you just can't read books in audio and publish them i don't know if people knew that but um on the second paragraph on page 27 she says sometimes we make choices because we don't know how to make better ones or that anything else is even possible so i feel like the first two pages of this chapter she's trying to clarify our ideas of self-sabotage like mm-hmm. what we perceive them to be what society perceives them to be and um as we go through this chapter and caroline michaela are you still here your your computer your video is just off i'm here um, my boyfriend's home so i gotcha turned okay. it off. just yeah no problem um uh so what was i saying so like with those two pages, she's trying to clarify what self-sabotage is and uh, how it comes about, what we think about it. And then I feel like the rest of the chapter is almost dedicated to saying what self-sabotage really is and um, how it manifests in our lives. Is that kind of what mm-hmm. y'all got out of it? Too? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Is there anything y'all want to read on the first on page 27 or 28 before we move on to the next subheading of what is self-sabotage? Um, I thought um, where she says sometimes we run our lives on autopilot for long enough that we begin to think we no longer have a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of was important to me uh, just because you know, some days I wake up and I'm sure a lot of people can relate. I feel like a robot. You know, I have my schedule. I have my routine. I'm go, 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 go. So it's like, there is no room for change or anything else because we're so used to what we're doing. 
Um, and then we close our eyes at night and wake up and do it all over again the next day. Right. I agree. Michaela, did, did you had a thought too? Um, yeah. So I, under one of the examples she was giving for self-sabotage, she was talking about how, um, like people don't start their businesses, but what stood out to me was she said, um, you have a brilliant idea and then you get distracted and forget keep forgetting to work on it um and I feel like that's the epitome of my like self-sabotage cycle um I mentioned it previously but I'll just mention it again in case anyone's just now listening I have been officially diagnosed with inattentive ADHD and distractions are like huge for me in regards to like getting through life in general and I hate to say it like that because there's such a um gray area between like actually you know determining whether it's just my ADHD or an excuse um so it's trying to sort of find the middle ground between the two and giving myself grace because my brain is literally wired differently than other people versus like using that as a means of like continuously um, avoiding moving forward on the things that I want to do or change. Yeah. So I thought that was really a good one <laughs> for me personally. And then also to tie into what you were saying right earlier and in the first um, episode for the first chapter, she says that we misattribute these self-sabotaging behaviors as lack of intelligence, willpower, mm -hmm. um, or capability. So it's not, we're not that, it's not that we're intentionally hurting ourselves. It's us trying to protect ourselves because mm -hmm. of that unfulfilled need. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because, uh, I definitely have that highlighted because I feel so like I. Yeah, there's so many times where <laughs> I, I, and I feel like when we say we self-sabotage, this is why I've been very adamant about telling people that they self-sabotage because it makes it seem like they're forever or it let's let me just not talk about other people it made me feel like I was never going to move ahead because my unconscious mind is just constantly going to stand in the way of what I'm doing basically um but on page 28 she again I'm, I'm just kind of gonna paraphrase a little bit um where she was saying that instead of trying to figure out why or are trying to not self-sabotage yourself because there's a good chance you may not be able to do that because again it's an unconscious uh habit that's fulfilling an unconscious desire so yeah in a way it is self-defeating and we do feel like we're constantly running up against a wall we don't have willpower we're not smart enough to do this we're mm -hmm. not motivated enough to do it we're not um whatever you want to you know tick off that list but uh she says that it's not about having to figure out how to not do it. It's to figure out why, why like what is the it, yeah. root is, is what's happening there. Like basically what desire is this fulfilling? Um, so I thought that was a really good point. And that kind of encouraged me that <laughs> this will not be forever potentially. So, all right. So the next subheading is what is self-sabotage? And, uh, she says self-sabotage and when you, is when you have two conflicting desires, one is conscious, one is unconscious, you know, how you want to move your life forward yet. You are still for some reason stuck. And, um, 
did y'all have any highlights in this section? It goes from page bottom to page 28 all the way to page middle of page 31. Yeah, um, I definitely highlighted, um, just to piggyback off of what you said, um, you know, we do things for a reason or we keep things and people in our lives for a reason. Um, and it's to find, you should find out why. Um, and then when um, it comes to self-sabotaging behaviors, uh, sometimes people get attached to having the problems. And mm. I just found that interesting because I, I know a lot of people, um, I've run into a lot of people that they just thrive in chaos and when things are calm and, and moving smoothly in their life and there is no problem, it's almost like they're looking to create a problem because they just don't know how to be in the still and be, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I thought that was in an interesting point that she made there. Yeah, and I, I highlighted on page 29 how she said, um, when you have big ongoing insurmountable issues in your life, especially when the solution seems so simple, so easy, and yet so impossible to stick with, what you have are not big problems, but big attachments. Um, mm -hmm. So I thought that was an interesting statement. And I'm still kind of wondering, like, I don't have big problems. Oh, I have big attachments. So maybe it's mm -hmm. not that like these these problems are so big, but maybe they're being they're happening because of my attachments to the the behaviors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um and 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 then in this section, maybe we don't have as as many highlights, but uh basically on these two pages or these few pages. I feel like she's just kind of showing how there will be one desire, but that there's something secondary underneath it that is taking precedent. Mm -hmm. Like uh, if you want to be wealthy, but you think that rich people are disgusting or they're, they're moving up the ladder, they'll do whatever it takes. They'll step on people. If you're not a person that's willing to step on people, be savage, then you're not going to make the money that you think that like that kind of behavior is associated with. Um, I also just want to acknowledge really for a second, Michaela, she, I feel like she's the MVP of this episode because she's like coming straight mm -hmm. off of work and <laughs> she is tired coming in here. So I just want to like say, uh, Michaela, if you, I mean, um, I just want to say that just want to say we're oh, very thanks. grateful <laughs> for you, like running home for work and being with us. Um, well, I appreciate you saying that I'm, I'm good. I enjoy these, um, I'm so excited for a burger after this. Oh, nice, nice, nice. <laughs> um, so she does kind of say a few sentences um, that like making yourself le less attractive can guard you. Um, playing mm -hmm. I small. highlighted that one. <laughs> nice. Okay. So what resonated with you about that? Is that something you find yourself doing or? Um, so I have a lot of self image struggles. Um, and the reason that I highlighted that one was because a lot of times, like, I don't put too much effort into my looks, though I want to. Uh, and I know I don't need to, like, put on makeup or dress super nice all the time. But I do feel better when I, like, do my hair or put some makeup on. Um, and I think 
I, I mean, I don't know that it's really so much me. I don't know. I what page is that on? Because um, that's page thirty-one. Thirty-one. Oh yeah. Um, I think it does sort of tie into guarding me because it says making yourself less attractive can guard you. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I just knew that it's something that I need to dig deeper into. I've got a lot mm. of self-esteem issues that I've been working on for a long time and they're still like very deeply rooted. Uh, but I'm also secure in other aspects. Like, I don't, it's, it's a weird, like in between being confident mm -hmm. about how I am and then wanting to like enhance a lot of things. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry, I'm not explaining that very well, but it is very like, not that I wouldn't talk about personal things, but it's so deep right now that I'm still mm -hmm. unpeeling off the layers uh, of an onion <laughs> for a good mm -hmm. metaphor, classic. Nice. But yeah. Um, yeah. I can even add to that too, is that, you know, I see it a lot in my, in my work and even myself personally am guilty of it. Um, a lot of people tend to, I call it, they call it protective weight. They'll maybe gain 10, 15 pounds uh, to avoid dating or getting into a relationship and they'll constantly blame it on, oh, I'll start dating once I lose these 10 pounds that I, that they don't realize they purposely put on, mm. you know, as a defense and a protective guard, you know, like she mm -hmm. says, very common, very common. Yeah. So before we get into the next subheading, I'm going to read another one of my highlights where she says all the ways in which you are self-sabotaging are, are actually ways that you are feeding a need. You probably don't even realize you have, which made me think about what you just said, Caroline. It's like, I don't really want to date. I want to keep postponing this. So I'm going to say, I'm going to lose this 10 pounds and that's when I'll, so that's a really good example. And then she goes on to say, overcoming it is not only a matter of learning to understand yourself better. Which is, I would think Kayla was just saying that it's going to take mm -hmm. a while to dig into that, but, and I really like this part. So let's just like lean in, but realizing that your problems are not problems, they are symptoms. And I was like, oh, well then, well, <laughs> I think, wow. Um, do y'all have as big a reaction to that as me or just me? Yeah. I had that highlighted mm -hmm. start and yeah okay great because I thought that was that was that was an eye-opener for sure like maybe in the future when I'm like man I have this problem or maybe I'll start looking at it as like hmm maybe I don't have a problem I just have a symptom of something that I keep doing over and over that mm -hmm. is creating this problem that would be interesting to explore that's a perspective shift in a lot of ways um any other thoughts before I move to the next section um I think the Hmm. overcoming it is not only a matter of learning to understand yourself better like that part I'm guilty of constantly feeling like I need to like psychoanalyze myself and like dig deeper which you do to some extent but I think it does make sense that just yeah it did it did hit me now that I'm like rereading it and you guys were talking about it but like I love to dramatize my life unintentionally without even realizing it and I think <laughs> I'm guilty of that in some way um 
I'm just, I'm laughing because I'm like my poor boyfriend. I'm so like not chill sometimes. Um, but I know it's like just a coping mechanism for me in a way. But um, I want to say that you're very brave to have a relationship, even though that's how you feel about yourself, because it wasn't until about a year ago that I realized I was like keeping myself from relationships. I thought I wanted one, but I was keeping myself out of them because of how much I experienced depression in the past, you know? And like, I always thought I was kind of broken. I never wanted someone to see that. And so I still get nervous when my boyfriend sees me depressed or anxious. It, it, uh, compounds my anxiety. A lot of times it's like, oh my gosh, he sees this in me. So I just want to say it's very brave for, people, especially with mental health issues to be able to be seen and, and, you know, at least try to be loved. I mean, at least, you know, cause you could hide. Mm-hmm. I've done it before. Yeah. And I can't remember if it was, it was somewhere in this book or maybe just from one of our conversations or even the last episode, but, um, shoot, I lost my train of thought. Goodness. I guess what I was trying to say was, oh yeah, you don't have to be healed to be in like a relationship. And I'm not just talking about relationships. It's like applies to kind of anything in life. You don't have to be, oh, we'll get into it later. It's a sort of like perfectionist mindset. Oh. Um, we'll dig into that. So I'll, I'll keep it short there for now and we'll okay. circle back. Okay, cool. So yeah, we have the next section on page, like I said, middle of page 31, the heading is what does self-sabotage look like? And I like how right underneath that, she clarifies that it's impossible to say decisively what self-sabotage does or doesn't look like because certain habits and behaviors that can be healthy for one person can be unhealthy in another context. Um, Right when I read that in my mind, I have a friend who weighs herself like every day or at least once a week. Mm. And um, she doesn't have obsessive eating habits like I do. She literally uses it as a gauge to monitor her progress. Almost like if you were going to check your bank account once a week or check your, you know, uh, Michaela, I think in last episode, you were talking about wanting to track your purchases every day. Like mm-hmm. some people can do stuff like that and, and not lose their mind. I could never understand. And I almost felt like I needed to tell her like, girl, you got an eating disorder, but she don't have one. I'm like, how can you weigh yourself every day and not have an eating disorder? But that's because I did, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I like that she clarifies that self-sabotage. Um, Cause for me, when I weigh myself, a lot of times that is a way that I think I want to self-sabotage to confirm or deny whether something's working And if it is, it's a way that I become more obsessive. But anyways, I liked that clarification. Um, And it made me feel like we shouldn't judge other people's habits a little bit, um, which we'll Mm, maybe get into a little bit later. (laughs) But um, (laughs) one person's habits uh, can be good for one and doesn't destroy them. But in another person's life, it could very well do that. That's really interesting to think about. I also think too, that's... um... Uh, to anyone I I don't think I've mentioned this before but I'm getting ready to enter into graduate school for clinical mental health counseling and I was reading one of my books Um, this is not therapy I am not a therapist I'm just talking 
<laughs> just a discussion um i think we're gonna rec- i'm gonna clip that and put it at the begin- <laughs> beginning of every episode so you don't just have to repeat it every time like recover that base <laughs> i love how you do it it's so i just love that i mean i'm just covering my butt okay that's right that's right i respect it i do it too i know the feeling um shoot i lost my train of thought again oh, no. no it's okay you're going right? to graduate you're going to graduate oh yeah yeah oh just um a lot of counseling programs now are more focused on um different cultural backgrounds and they always kind of have but it's more important nowadays so in regards to different self-sabotage looking for everyone like everyone comes from a different collection of identity culture Uh, so it could be very unique based on what their culture is growing up their parents um school life like there's just so many different factors and uh also in the health coaching ray i'm sure you remember bio individuality where every person has their own needs Uh, no two people are the same so I, i like that she mentioned that too because it's really like there is no one like you or with your experience yeah it is and I, i'm glad that you say that because um and it's weird that like i feel like i kind of knew that but just reading that paragraph especially out loud this is why i really like doing this and i hope we continue to do more book studies in the future because there's just something so different about reading a book but then being able to like read it out loud like the extra processing and then like even talking about what it made you think about like mm-hmm. we just don't get to do that when we're by ourselves reading books or listening to them on like a audible mm-hmm. thing So let's go into, because I'm going to read the bottom of this page 31 just for effect, I guess, but it says, here are some of the main signs that you're probably in a cycle of self-sabotage. And so I listed them in a doc here, um, because like I said, we're only going to the middle of this chapter, which is page 48. And she mentions resistance as a way hitting your upper limit, which I do think we should touch on that just for clarification Mm -hmm. of people that maybe didn't listen to the last episode. Um, So resistance, hitting your upper limit, uprooting, perfectionism, limited emotional processing skills, justification, organization, attachment to what you don't really want, judging others, pride, guilt of succeeding. So these were all um, many like subheadings throughout this chapter and there's a lot more and these are just ways to identify and help you like she says at the bottom of that page 31 um here are some main signs that you're probably in a cycle of self-sabotage so a main sign would be you're experiencing resistance or a main sign sign will be hitting your upper limit is like you're experiencing too much good so you start to um think you don't deserve it or you start to sabotage good things going on in your life and I do want to go into more of that um uh another cycle of self-sabotage uprooting or you're being too perfect about something or you're not going into emotions um enough so just letting y'all know what each of those subheadings the purpose it's to identify the cycle that you're in so because of lack of time we are going to pick um, one or two that resonated with us the most and talk about that. Um, but before we do that, let's do the hitting your upper limit one. Cause I just want to clarify to people what that is. Does anybody have any highlights there that feel like y'all want to read that or. 
And yeah, I think just where she kind of defines the upper limit is essentially the amount of good that you're comfortable having in your life. Um, basically your threshold for positive feelings and experiencing positive events and having all the good that you could imagine, I guess. Yeah. And then it says the way it starts to manifest, um, like you're self-sabotaging it is when you start to experience it, you might start to get physically ill, um, or yeah. you might, uh, start to experience, uh, anger or resentment or fear or guilt, um, or guilt. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like there's a friend that she may be listening to this podcast and I should probably talk to her. I've probably talked to her about this on the phone, but I, I actually told her we were talking about something, a goal that she had. And she expressed to me that she was having a hard time with anxiety. And I told her, I was like, you know, I'm reading this book and I feel like maybe because you are moving forward, like, and you are experiencing like something new and like a new dream, a new goal. That's actually a almost like a good sign that you're experiencing more anxiety because it's showing your body is resisting it because you're moving on. And I feel like mm-hmm. that was an example of this hitting your upper limit. And, um, my friend, I know you're listening today. We can discuss this on a later date. would love to do that, but, um, not trying to like, you know, uh, talk about your life, but to talk about your life. Okay. Moving on. Um, <laughs> I did invite her to be on this, uh, call with us, but she has other commitments. Okay. So, Oh, really quick, Ray. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, one thing with hitting the upper limit um, that I underlined that we didn't really talk about was when you start to surpass that upper limit, you bring yourself back to what's comfortable and familiar, mm. um, which is important because that is what kind of perpetuates the cycle because when mm-hmm. we're uncomfortable, even if it's good, we tend to sabotage them is what she was trying to say. Yeah. And, um, and I like, so, and also if you're not reading along with the book, she does these subheadings, like I just read off and then on those same pages in those subheadings, she gives you a tool of how to resolve it. And so Mm -hmm. when it comes to like the upper limit, she, uh, suggests instead of shocking yourself into big changes, allow yourself to slowly adjust and adapt. By taking it slow, you're allowing yourself to gradually reinstate a new comfort comfort zone around what you want your life to be. And over time, you gradually shift your baseline to a new standard. And this actually, now that I say it out loud, it, it kind of reminds me of my business a little bit. It's like, I feel like sometimes people go into their businesses thinking, okay, I want to make $10,000. Do you know what kind of work you would have to do? Like what kind of person you would have to be overnight to make $10,000? What kind of beliefs you would have to believe about yourself? What kind of hours you would have to, there's just, you know, why do people do that? Or why have I done that in the past? It's like, it's a way of potentially self-sabotaging myself by putting out too big of a goal, which I think anybody could relate to if anybody on this call and even if you're in the car listening to this have you ever set a goal too big and you're like like you know and at the end of the day you probably get like on day three if that you know or like you make 50 bucks and you're like whoa whoa nelly what's happening you know (laughs) anybody anybody (laughs) (laughs) okay so we relate what's um it's very relatable yeah okay good so I'm going to read some of these off and, um, and I'll just call on y'all to just so we can just do this. Okay. So Michaela, what of these did you resonate with the most resistance, hitting your upper limit, 
uprooting perfectionism, limited emotional processing skills, justification, disorganization, attachment to what you don't really want, judging others, pride or guilt of succeeding. Which one did you resonate with the most? Oh my gosh. So many. (laughs) Wait, did we stop at page X? (laughs) Page ah. 48. Caroline, you first. (laughs) Okay, Caroline first. Okay. What is Um, it, popcorn? We're playing popcorn. (laughs) There you go. Um there's two that I can really resonate with, but I think the number one for me is definitely perfectionism. Oh, I wasn't gonna Um, guess that for you. Yeah, I was gonna guess that. No, it's a joke. Oh, I was like, wait, you know me. (laughs) Oh my god. Oh my god. For as long as I can remember, I have been the perfectionism queen. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's just, it has its pros and cons, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's easier for me to see the pros (laughs) than it is to see the cons. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's definitely um, a fear of failing. I don't like to fail. Mm-hmm. And I think I've just been wired that way from childhood that failure is not an option. Um, so I'm definitely like even to the point where I'm a perfectionism overachiever kind of situation. Um, but then it also stops me from trying new things that I'm interested in because I've never done them before. And I'm scared and I'm like, if I've never done it and I don't do it right and I fail, that's probably going to feel much worse to me than actually doing it um, and trying. But I'm slowly learning that it's, you know, it's better to try and fail than to not try at all. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that has definitely stopped me from doing a lot of things in my life. Yeah. Did you um, highlight anything under the perfectionism before the how to resolve this subheading um that you really resonated with about perfectionism um yeah where it says it holds us back from showing up and trying um we're afraid of failing feeling vulnerable which also is a big thing for me um and we want others to think that we're as good as we we know we are Mm. um you know but then it says, but we end up avoiding the work that is required to actually be that good, which I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel mm-hmm. that on a soul level. It's like, I re- I'm re- like in my head, I'm really good at things. I swear, like I could be the best at this, but mm-hmm. honey, I mean, and I'm talking to myself, but honey, you're not the best because you're not doing it because you have it in your head. You can be so good, but you're not doing it. What that's going to require you to actually be that good and, mm, you know, fighting words, but it's true you know so there's that it is true what was mm-hmm. the second one you had uh the second one was resistance mm. um and i think that's just again i kind of take that hand in hand with the per- perfectionism because i'm like resistant to face things and i highlighted here she says we feel resistance often when things are in our life are going right, not when they're going wrong. Mm. So it's almost as if I resist <laughs> all the positive and good things that I have going for myself because sometimes I feel like maybe I don't deserve them or they're not meant for me. And I can't believe this is, this is for me. You know what I mean? Like 
almost as if I'm not good enough to receive all these things, which obviously is totally a me thing and a mental thing, but yeah, that also like, stops me from, from doing things. Yep. Yeah. And then I like how she put how to resolve this. I highlighted, we have to get clear on what we want as well mm-hmm. as when and why we want it. I really, yep. I don't know why I keep talking about my business. I probably, cause my business is the only thing in my life that feels like a mountain right now. Like I've been doing really good on my, my health journey and stuff. And even though with Michaela, I can definitely relate to not doing the challenge, like in a quote unquote, perfect way, um, as a recovering perfectionist. And as she says on page 37 under the perfectionist type, um, how to resolve this instead of perfection, focus on progress instead of having something. Yes. I have that starred. Just focus on getting it done. And from there you can edit, build, grow, develop into exactly what your vision is. But if you don't get started, you will never arrive. So I felt that, but I also felt on that resistance one where she says we have to get clear on what we want as well as when and why we want it. In my business, I don't have when I want X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely don't have why. Um, yeah. So I've been- But then she highlights though, then you need to refocus, you know? Mm. Instead of resisting, refocus. Yeah, I'm going to start that too. I don't know why I didn't. Probably subconsciously, I didn't highlight that part either. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's why we have book studies, guys. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so I like that. And and I have been thinking about it a lot, but maybe I'll put down, now that we're saying this out loud, I'm going to, how about y'all check in with me tomorrow? Mm. Yeah, let's just do it. Tomorrow night, if I haven't told y'all why I want to have my business, ask me why by this time tomorrow. If y'all remember, don't remember. I'm just kidding. We will. (laughs) We will. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. Um, That's going to be my assignment for tomorrow. That has to be your journal reflection. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that idea. Okay, cool. Put it in my phone. Okay, so... What about you, Michaela? What was your favorite or uh, do you really have a favorite self-sabotaging cycle? Um, What's the one you resonated with the most? That's first of all, I cannot. I mean, I am going to pick two, but I'm glad Caroline went first because I was like, ah, yes, everything that I was going to say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I have more to talk about. So, yay. Um, Disorganization was a really big one. I thought about you. I thought about you for that one. ADHD. Um, by leaving our spaces and lives in disarray we're not just mindlessly forgetting to take care of our own surroundings we're actually creating distractions and chaos that can serve an unconscious purpose Um, and then another highlight was now that everything's in order we must get to work on doing what we need to do or what we Mm. want to become yeah that was a hard hitter because that is the that's how my that's how I live my life, man. My house never stays mm-hmm. clean. <laughs> I try to. Um, but I think I well, just that just reminds me of this saying, like a cluttered space, a cluttered mind, you know. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought that, which is so funny to me that I just like struggle so much to keep up with it. Cause I'll like uh it's not quote unquote manic, but I do have like hyper fixation cleaning days after I'm like enough is enough and then I just like clean everything to the best of my ability but I really struggle with the 
organization aspect of things, like having everything in a home, which is like the key to having like a clean organized space. And I've like literally hyper fixated on all the YouTube videos and I've probably seen like all the different methods but I really, it may just be an excuse, but I would love to have like a professional organizer just like come help me. That would be the dream gift of mine. Like something that, I mean, I don't think they're too expensive, but like, I don't have extra money for that right now. Oh girl, they expensive. Um, I, used I mean, to they, work they range. I just want a cleaning, I just want a cleaning lady. Like Somebody... I, mean, I need more than a cleaning lady. I need an organization <laughs> system so that the cleaning lady can actually like focus on cleaning (laughs) my sister got a deal whenever I was starting out my organization business I was only charging $50 an hour most organizers uh over 100 per hour wow yeah I was thinking it'd probably be like between a thousand and 1500 yeah Um, but my apartment's really small it's a one bedroom and I had a a lady that was probably gonna charge me like $300 just for a closet Mm. Yeah, I mean, in an apartment, so I figured it's so too expensive for me to look into. So, but I mean, I do like little things here and there, but it just doesn't seem very sustainable, and I don't want to like get into it too much. Sorry, you were gonna say something. No, I was just gonna say that um, I would love to do an organizational challenge one month with y'all. That would be fun. That's what I've been thinking. I have a screenshot of something I saw on the internet of like a 30-day challenge that was really simple mm-hmm. um I did it but... once I ran a group I think it was free um but you know your girl's working on charging up for things again so maybe we can do mm-hmm. this maybe I can as do. you should as you should <laughs> yeah we'll see how it goes yeah. we'll see how it goes but um I getting... think it's always fun oh sorry I was just gonna say getting back to the um or this, sorry, it's actually titled disorganization, not organization. Because yes. um, I kept saying organization. So now that everything's in order, you have to work on doing what you need to do and who you want to become. Mm-hmm. Um, so I need to remind myself that I don't have to do everything at once. And she suggests just starting with one room. And if even that's too much, doing one corner. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me. I think I should just like keep looking into more ADHD friendly storage ideas um because they tend to have like I think there's Clutterbug on YouTube she talks about different styles of clutter and I need things to be visible otherwise I won't remember if they are at least have labels so yeah I just don't feel like spending money on things which you could do like hacks I'm sure from the Dollar Tree or other places but I don't know it's a lot of trial and error over the years and I haven't figured it out yet so I think I have anxiety about trying to do it on my own like I really feel like I need someone's help you probably do yeah I mean I mean there's that Uh, honestly the only reason I started organizing was because when I really wanted to get my life together and started to be more organized I realized she was going to charge me $300 to do one closet I was like well this isn't this is not where my budget is I'm not like I'm not trying to knock her prices I'm just Mm -hmm. saying it wasn't where I was in my life so I had to figure Mm -hmm. out myself and then I became like it's it's gonna it's gonna leak into what my favorite one of these Mm -hmm. were that Actually, I would love to see if y'all had any guesses. Did y'all read any of these and think, oh, that's Ray? 
We, mm. we apparently did that for each other. We had some <laughs> ideas about each other. If I were to guess. It's a fun game. For pride. some reason, I want to say guilt of succeeding. It's either oh, pride yeah. or guilt of succeeding. I was thinking pride, though, because we can get into that. Interesting. Not, okay. Not well, because not because of what you think, though. At face value, it sounds like I'm calling you like an egotistic asshole. That's not what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> we have to explain it so people aren't like, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, we can get into that. Uh, it was actually uprooting. Mm. so I am someone that can barely stay in one apartment for longer than a year you know usually when my lease is up I'm out I've noticed that after reading this book I realized oh my gosh you know I never stay in one place physically and then also in my business even in my podcast I've changed the name of the podcast um I've switched my business ideas a bunch of times. I can never just kind of stick to one journey or one um, theme. And I really resonated with on page 35, it said it might be constantly needing a fresh start, which is often Mm. the result of not having healthy ways to deal with stress or struggling with conflict resolution. Uprooting can be a way of diverting attention from the actual problems in your life as your attention must go towards reestablishing oneself at a new job or in a new town. So also, and then it says how to resolve this. And it says um, one little highlighted part is trace back your steps over the past few years. How many places have you moved or worked? So I've had two jobs, two contracted jobs in the last two years. I've created two businesses in the last two, three years. Um, and then it said, figure out what is driving you away from each new thing you find. So I definitely resonate with that new start thing. And, um, you know, for so long too, when I was in my early twenties or mid twenties, actually, I was doing a lot of traveling. I had to do a road trip. Like when I say road trip, I would be on the road for five weeks. Like, and I wouldn't say it felt like home to me, but like, sometimes it did like moving from place to place that often. Um, and I would also argue I'd met a lot of people in the national parks that now that I look back on it, that's what a lot of them were doing. It was a way to avoid being at home. It was a way to avoid problems at home was to go to that national park for a few months. Um, and then it was a way when they created more problems at that place, since it's seasonal work, you can go somewhere else. You can go somewhere else. You can go somewhere else. Like you can make your way through the world, like loving and leaving people or, you know, being a jerk here, but then you start over somewhere new and hope people don't know you as some a jerk there too, or, um, just stuff like that. So I've def- I'm definitely an uprooter, which could be a grounding issue. It could be something. With well, I was going to say, I would have never have said that about you because to me, you seem so grounded. Mm-hmm. I've worked on it. I've had to work on Mm -hmm. this so much. Um, Yeah, in the past few years too, me signing a contract for a job that said I was going to be there for two and a half years, that was a big deal for me. Um, Me doing jujitsu for three years, big deal for me. I would never do something like for a straight year, much less uh, even when I was working for the postal service, even though I've technically been working as a postal worker for 12 years, um, I quit that job the first three and a half 
And then I would just constantly quit it because I would be there for a little while then go on a road trip or go work somewhere else. And I'd come back, go out, come back. So I developed this very bad habit of committing to things. And I'm, I've definitely seen that in my business. It's hard for me to commit to a name. It's hard for me to commit to a program. It's hard for me to commit to what I want to do next. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a thing. Um, but let's look at these ones. So the pride ones. So I'm a, so I'm not a realistic asshole. (laughs) Really quick, Ray, before we get into that, which we need to, because you're not, um, it's so funny that you said with the uprooting and like nomadic or sorry, like just like the traveling thing, kind of embarrassing to admit, but I'm not embarrassed because I actually have like made friends. So I'm going to talk about it. Um, I have a Bumble BFF profile. Cool. And because I've been trying to like meet new people where I live and actually form like genuine connections because like I have work friends, which they're nice and I like them, but we don't hang out, hang out. And part of that's due to like grad school for them and other stuff. But like, I don't know, it's just a, a soul sort of level kind of friendship that I've been looking for and on my profile I said we'll get along if um I just it, the reason I'm saying <laughs> it's just funny because I said if you're a nomad at heart but still able to place roots mm-hmm. and then I put like a little heart and I was like Clee currently because I live like outside of Cleveland um I just thought that was so funny because you're talking about like finding a home and like staying grounded and rooted and like just being afraid of that and I sort of like always wanted to be that sort of travel kind of person but I don't necessarily feel like I'm running away from anything because I have that sort of like but I always can go home sort of like mindset Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know sorry that's probably too much of a tangent but I just in my brain it like clicked I was like oh my gosh the synchronicities (laughs) but yeah yeah. no it's it's not I mean we're allowed to share whatever comes to mind about the book that's kind of why we're here you know to talk about it and um feed off of each other's ideas so no that's not to say that I'm not uh that I don't struggle with uprooting because I do yeah (laughs) um especially with Oh, another thing too about uprooting and Ray, what you were saying, it's not a crime. It's not bad. It's not shameful to have multi-passions and multi-interests. I want to make that Mm -hmm. very clear. Mm -hmm. Well, I find that to be the case with a lot of people who are uprooting is that they have a hard time narrowing down what they really want to do because they're so passionate about about multiple things. But they have to kind of get their hand in everything. There's a lot of stigma though around like having to stick mm-hmm. to one thing, which right. it took me a while right. to realize that that's how society sort of mm-hmm. pushed. And I'm coming from a neurodivergent perspective, but this applies to multiple people. You don't have to have ADHD to be multi-passionate, but it's a very strong trend amongst people with ADHD. And for the longest time, I like was so ashamed of feeling like I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And Mind you, I was in college. Why do we need to know what we need to do when we're 18 years old or older if you go a little bit later in life? I don't know. That blows my mind to this day, especially going into hundreds of, or, you know, just debt. (laughs) That's a whole other Mm -hmm. story. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. anyway, sorry, I'm getting a little passionate because like I was so 
disappointed in myself for the longest time because I thought that that was a huge flaw and like something was wrong mm. with me and I just I almost went to grad school for something that I didn't even care about as much as I thought because I was interested in it but I didn't like it enough like I didn't wow. love it I wasn't passionate I am so glad that I did not go through with that that sounds like the attachment to what you don't really want section yeah mm-hmm. I mean literally every section I was like boom 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 yeah <laughs> but yeah that that was a big one too but anyways sorry for going on a tangent we do it's need okay. to get back to Ray here with you don't uh, have to always say you're sorry for talking I know that's, going on your that's also a flaw <laughs> that's a okay flaw. I just want to point it out a struggle I, of mine because I was I was noticing it earlier and so I was like it's nice to point out it's not annoying me or anything I just want to let you know that you maybe you'll catch it more so you can so you'll, yeah. you know, know that I do that in my everyday life too. Yeah. It's but you're unfortunately actually, something I'm working on. <laughs> you're actually on the podcast to talk to Michaela. So. <laughs> you know, you're right. I just go in so many directions. My brain is like, that's okay. you know, but I mean, I'm just, we're rolling with it. So thank you for holding space for me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And it's, um, and it's nice to have people's brains that work differently than each other. But um, but yeah, the one place you don't have to apologize for talking is on a podcast. It's a good, that's a good reminder. <laughs> good um, thing to know. <laughs> <laughs> this was a library, then you'd be in trouble. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I actually do have some highlights under that pride one. So it may have resonated uh, in some way. So I'll read it. Um, it says, we are making decisions based, so under pride, um, Pride is often involved in our worst decisions. That's right underneath the subheading. And then it goes into, um, we are making decisions based on how we imagine people view our lives and not how they actually are. This is not only inaccurate, but it's also very unhealthy. And that's like kind of after she said that sometimes we stay in things too long that we know we might need to leave or um, things like that. And then I have also a big old squiggly chunk uh <laughs> it says instead of thinking that we need to prove everyone around us how perfect and flawless we are we can imagine ourselves more realistically as people despite our weaknesses are trying our best in the end it looks far worse to hold on to what's wrong because you care about what others think than it is to let it go because that's what's right for you but you know like this section really made me think about somebody in my closer circle about how much judgment she got around um leaving her marriage you know Mm. and um and so I really think about her with that and how hard that was and how much people judged her and had thoughts about her and were angry at her um angry at her for doing that that makes me so sad yeah yeah wow well, you know, kids were involved as well. So it wasn't just that they were angry at her for her decision. It was more, she was, they were also angry about the separation of the family, the disillusionment of the family. And so, I don't know, it's like stuff like that, where I can see pride could be involved where some people stay and they get this sense of, what is it? Righteousness. Like there's some sort of maybe righteousness and pride too, that I can stick this out. I can do this. I can weather any storm kind of thing that can be very, um, look self-sacrificing, but you also get to look like the better person 
because we value those things. We value commitment in society. We value, you know, being in a company for 30 years over the person that's kind of jumping from salon to, you know, service industry to artists to, you know, we think those people are flaky. And, um, but I think in some ways, you know, that's what's made me really brave. I see that as a brave thing. It's very hard to change so much. It doesn't come with, like it's not the easiest thing I've ever done to quit jobs. It's very hard um, mentally because of all the societal expectations. Um, But yeah, Michaela, I'm curious why, what, what made you think about it? I would love to know. Um, pride for you? Yeah. I think it was just, um, I highlighted the part where it says we're making decisions based on how we imagine people view our lives, not how they actually are. And I think a lot of times I do notice you like trying to speculate what you think other people want you to do. And we've mm-hmm. talked about this before mm-hmm. versus like, and my what came to mind for me is like trusting that what you are going through and what you're talking about will resonate with the people who need to hear it and like Mm. does that make sense oh yeah it makes perfect sense that's great and it's interesting like that's the only thing I have highlighted on that page too or like exactly that what I've read Mm. uh it doesn't necessarily mean that that's like the most important one towards you that's just the first one that I saw I was like oh yeah yeah Yeah. well I appreciate you saying that Mm -hmm. um what was yours uh caroline uh mine was the the next one uh, guilt of succeeding mm-hmm. okay well i don't want to make this the Raylan show you know what i'm saying i was just curious <laughs> I, was, I, was, I noticed like each of the ones that you well just said. i'll just do quickly i have a few not long but the on page 47 right there um one of the biggest mental barriers people face is the guilt that comes with finally having enough or more than one needs mm. Um, and then if quickly, if you flip the page to 48, I thought of you a hundred percent, um, guilt is an unfortunately common emotion, especially for good hearted people who want to do things, want to do the right things and live their, their authentic lives, which is you a hundred percent. Um, all of us, honestly. and then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then as a resolve, um, to see your your success as a tool, which mm. you can use to do important things and positive things in this world and in your own life and then in the life of others. Cool. I mean, that was, I had that. I that was the that only two. Yeah. We, okay, cool. We all had like that is Ray. Like mm. <laughs> that yeah, is I you. I will receive that. And I'm glad you said it because I, I also agree with Michaela. I can see this for all of us for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I do think that guilt of succeeding is kind of underneath this wanting to be a good person and good people don't charge for things or you know good people don't do things with a motive um of x y and z and so I do think I get very scared and or upset with myself anytime I think of how it will benefit me and then I don't do it because I'm like no this is for other people so the minute I wonder how this will help me I shut it down because you shouldn't think about how it'll help you. And then people try to say things like, um, you should, you should be serving your community. You should worry about serving this person. You should worry about like, what do they need? What do they need? What do they need? And then they're like, but make $10,000. And I'm like, 
bro, what you talking about, Willis? Like, you know, should we be focusing <laughs> on what the person needs? Because I don't know if they need to be dropping 2K on a program that I'm going to make for them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I I think of it as it has to be an exchange. You know what I mean? You're providing a service, and what do you get back for that? Like you need to be, you need to get something back for that. What you saying, Mackenzie? I'm laughing at her face when you were like, when you if you need to charge UK, where it goes. "Mm." I don't know about all that, but you know, this is why I, I I've definitely it's this is for anybody else. And I know that all of you are wanting to potentially start your own businesses one day for me. And y'all don't have to receive this. You don't even have to do it this way. I do think the more I just keep going and charging little by little, a little bit more, I I'll develop confidence about receiving money in certain amounts, you know, and that has been helpful for me. Um, so, but I think that goes along with what she said about making small shifts. Like, I just can't mm-hmm. go from like charging $77 for a personal session to charging 5,000 for a year long membership. That's just never going to work for me, even though I feel like yeah. a few people like to encourage stuff like that. I mean, listen, I even say 5,000. What if I even said 2,400? I've paid that before for, for like a lifetime membership and something. I still don't know if I could do that you know? And so I think, well, it has to feel, it has to feel right. And it has to feel good to you also. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I, but I just, I love this book so much because it kind of gave me the pressure, like took the pressure off of sometimes these, um, which are very well intentioned and they work for some people. That's fine. But I feel like maybe they work for more people that potentially grew up with money, maybe a little bit. Um, Possibly. or, you know, people, you know, like, I don't know. Just um, no, I, I totally agree with, I, I mean, I can relate on the poorer side of that, the lack yeah. of mindset. <laughs> so there's this book that I really like to read. Um, and we're, and we're probably going to log off in a second. Cause I think we're at an hour or so, but, um, how to be a badass at making money by Jen Sincero. I love that book. I, I make knew money. it. Every time I, I listen to that book or read it, I make money. Um, and people give me money. It's wild. Like it is wild. It's I need magic. to get that book. I it's, think I almost got it. It's a magic. I, I, I do say it's magic. I've made money every single time I start listening to it. If I start listening to it tomorrow, there's a good potential. I can make a thousand dollars by the end of this month. Just like going from not like extra money. It, it happens every time. Uh, I need so, this book. <laughs> yeah. And she's somebody yeah, and that it's her, in my Amazon cart right now. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. I hope that y'all do get it. Maybe it'll be our next, um, book study or something. I would, I've always think about, I have done one on this book actually before it was a 30 day challenge around mm-hmm. money. And we, we just read the book for 30 days and I posted on Facebook, but, um, so, cause I couldn't keep it to myself. I was like, I got a thousand dollars from somebody, you know, I was just like, y'all gotta get it. Anyways, she, her, her parents were rich. And, and she wrote this book. And even though she does have subconscious issues around money that like, if she got successful, her dad wouldn't give her more money. Like I get that. And that is a subconscious block. And I, you know, not saying it's better or worse, but I do wonder if people that have, have successful parents and have, have experienced people just giving them money and like lived around people that could afford to just put out $5,000. You know what I mean? Like they've Mm -hmm. seen somebody slide their card for $5,000 on a course or on a couch or, you know, Mm -hmm. like I've not seen that in my life. And if I ever did, I would be like, 
put them away in a institution. You ain't paying $5,000 for no damn couch, you know? <laughs> so that's where I'm coming from. I've never seen people spend that much money on one thing ever. Like, and if they did, yeah. they financed it. So these are good things to be talking about out loud because this is probably something I have deep down too, that if somebody bought something for me, they would have to finance it. I don't want them to do that either. So, because I really regret financing certain things for myself and I don't want to do that to my clients. I don't want to encourage that for my clients. And some people are fine with that. That's okay. I don't judge them. The book says to not judge people. So that's what we're working on too. So. <laughs> um yeah thank you for sharing that actually because I mean I know we're wrapping up but I have people in my personal life that I didn't really I don't know I just like like grew up well off like had a four not a a, what is it a a child a fund for college trust fund fund, did not have to pay a cent and I for a while like still have a little bit of like not actually, I don't know. I want to say that resentment, mm-hmm. um, because it's more just like jealousy, but really that's because I have student loan debt and it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I want that for my kids in the future. So it's not selfish of them or selfish of me to want that. It's just having that sort of like lack mentality, sort of infiltrating that thought of like, mm-hmm. my kids could be successful without having the burden of I mean, sorry, I didn't word that right. (laughs) My kids don't need the burden of having to go into lots of debt because I like am smart about my money or my partner or whatever. Um, But like the judgment factor, I guess, is what I was getting at because like for people who have the ability to just give out money, like there's so many negative connotations with that and Mm -hmm. this person that I'm thinking of their father is like very wealthy but very kind and very genuine and like will do good with it so it's just kind of that mindset shift mindset shift (laughs) of um just opinions on money I guess and like the I don't know where I'm going with that, but basically it's hard when you grow up without, you know, mm-hmm. abundance or I, I shouldn't even say abundance. And you, um, okay. Sorry. No, I just, the word abundance, like money is abundant. Food is abundant. Water is abundant. Energy is abundant. It's like all an energetic exchange. So when you sort of like reframe that mindset, it kind of allows it to be less of what feels like a burden and more of just like life if that makes sense mm-hmm. getting very philosophical spiritual here but it it I'm still working on my money mindset like I got yeah. a lot of work to do well, but I feel like that kind of goes along with like not judging people because you know we think and even just me saying oh I think it's easier for people that have seen people spend that amount of money I think it's easier in that way But also people that see that other people don't have that, I'm sure they judge other people that don't have trust funds. They're like, what do their parents do? Or like, why wouldn't you have Mm -hmm. this in certain ways? And even if they don't, that's okay. But we kind of judge people that do have that. We're like, you know, you're spoiled brat. I mean, not really. Mm -hmm. It's just things that I've thought in the past. And um, 
but there's pros and cons to both because there's there's probably a lot that like per, people that have had money they don't know how to live without it they would never know right. what to do if they right. had to live like we have to live it would shatter them just like you know so it's good to again, maybe not judge others in that way, but Mm -hmm. I think that's a good perspective shift as well. They both have their positives and negatives. Um, so. Yeah. And it's really what you like make of it, like your perspective at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, it's made me appreciate everything I've done. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And just Mm -hmm. how hard I have to work. And like, I did not have parents that could afford for me to go to college I had to do it on my own mm-hmm. and I have I have student loan debt but I was able to work a full-time job and go to grad school and pay for that out of pocket because I worked full-time um and that is like I am so proud of myself that I can say I financed my graduate degree and no one can take that away from me yeah. and you just you I just feel like you just have an, a different level of appreciation for different things and hard work and you know that like you can always do it <laughs> because you've been without and you know what it's like to not have. So yeah. when you do have it, it kind of means a little bit more to you, you know? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And it may not mean as much to people that have to ask, but also mm-hmm. can you imagine always having to ask someone if you could do something before you go and do it? That's the reality for some people too. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's a good, it's a good thing to kind of flush out and think about. So, um, all right, guys, well, that's half a chapter two. Now, now I hope the audience, uh, understands why we have to do a part one and part two, because that's just half of chapter two. So we will come back and we will reconvene. And, um, yeah, I just want to say, I appreciate both of you for doing this alongside me. I feel like, um, definitely feel like this one was like a little bit calmer. I think our, you know, like, I feel like we were you know, really we were excited just, we about were this so, We're just so excited about this so book excited. that it's, you know, we have to kind of just like figure it out, you know? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, anything you want to say, Michaela, before we roll out? just want to hear from you. Um, uh, thank you for listening. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Cause I know I'm working on it. If you on, haven't like, got the book yet, go and get it and follow yeah. along. Yeah. And the podcast. Then you'll know what we're about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be, I would definitely recommend this book. I mean, it's been, this has probably been the first book in a long time. I was like, you gotta go get it. Like, like you should have gone and get it. Like p- people talk to me and I'm like, oh, that sounds like this thing in this book I just read. So mm-hmm. it's been a while since I've come across a book like that. And also this mm-hmm. is like the, the first official like book study we've ever done on the podcast. So it's kind of a big, it's kind of a big deal. It's, it's gotta be a good book if I've uh, carved out a little series for it. So, mm-hmm. um, all right guys, well, that's, that's all for tonight. Uh, yeah. Thank you all so much for listening. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, click the fist star, leave a kind review, leave all the mean ones away. Um, you can text them to me <laughs> if we're, if we're nice friends and you have nice criticisms those are totally welcome. Um, but don't leave them publicly for anyone else to see. Um, and yeah, if you have it yet, um, just kind of like share it with a friend, family member or follower on your social media pages, that little screenshot and putting in your stories is a a little gesture, but it goes a long way to, uh, getting more eyes on the podcast and really, I guess ears, cause we don't look at podcasts. We listen to them. So there's that. And, uh, yeah, thank y'all so much. And we will see you next time. Say
Say.